Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 539 of the Juicebox Podcast. On today's show, we're going to be speaking with Shia. She is the mother of a child with type 1 diabetes who was diagnosed while they were on a family trip to Iran. It's a really interesting story that I think you're going to enjoy. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Have you been looking for a place to talk about diabetes online? Look no farther than the Juicebox podcast private Facebook page. The page now boasts over 14,000 members, 10,000 plus active every day. Conversations about all kinds of topics. You're bound to find the one that you're looking for. And if you don't, it's cool. Just start your own conversation. There are plenty of people there just like you who are excited to chat and see if they can help. It's called Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. It's on Facebook. It's completely free and private. Check it out. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. The T1D Exchange is looking for type 1 adults and type 1 caregivers who are U.S. residents to participate in a quick survey that can be completed in just a few minutes from your phone or your computer. This survey is 100% anonymous, completely HIPAA compliant, and does not require you to ever see a doctor or go to a remote site. Every time someone completes the process using my link, the podcast benefits. So if you've been looking for a way to help type 1 diabetes research, the podcast or both, Nothing could be simpler, easier, or more beneficial. Just go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. When you get there, click on join our registry now. After that, just simply complete the survey and you'll have helped people living with type 1 diabetes. So my name is Shaya and uh, my son, his name is Suran. He was diagnosed uh, last November, uh, November 2019, mm-hmm. and he is five turning six in april almost six how do i pronounce his name suren suren yeah all right i want to make sure i get it right all right Shia. okay so um oldest child only child uh i have another daughter she is turning three in march okay so, so you're you're first how how about yeah, he's my first how about type 1 diabetes or other endocrine autoimmune issues in your family are there any Nothing. No. None. He was the first ever, and the shock was big because we even haven't heard about it at all before. Okay. Where do you live right now? So I live in Canada, in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. But when he was diagnosed, we used to live in Edmonton. In Edmonton. Okay. So last year, yeah, gotcha. Alberta. All right. So in Canada, diagnosed. What was the diagnosis like? How did it arrive? Yes. Um, So last year, uh, it was in November of last year, 2019, uh, we had my cousin's wedding in Iran. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, we booked the trip few months before and we wanted to go to the wedding. And so what happened uh, when we were planning the trip, we decided to stay two extra days in Frankfurt, Germany on our way, because that's where my husband grew up and he always wanted to go back and check there uh, where he grew up, right? So (laughs) we booked this trip and then about a month before the trip, Suren got very sick, like sick as he has ever been before after. Uh, he has this rash, fever, strep throat. He was on antibiotics and everything. And that's when he started um, like the um, like being super thirsty, peeing a lot and uh, drinking all the time. And at first we thought, well, it was the fever and uh, he's thirsty. So he drinks and then he wants to pee, of course. And uh, he got better, but it continued. And then the thing was, it was on and off. So he would be peeing a lot one day and one day he was normal. So we didn't think any of it, uh, anything about it at first. And then I did uh, Google it like, I don't know, a week before we went to Iran. and. um it came like it went to a page that was explaining type 1 diabetes and i was like well of course it's not this so (laughs) never mind and then i went out (laughs) um so um it just continued it kept getting worse he was like his behavior was like awful he came back from daycare every day in such a bad mood he would cry and like he would uh, scream at us like he wasn't himself at all mm-hmm. and I just thought well it's something in daycare something's happening at the daycare and uh, I was like yeah we're going to Iran we'll figure it out after so then the day we were going like in the airplane just imagine we are in the in, an, in a flight for 11 hours the flight to Frankfurt was 11 hours and he was going to the bathroom every 10 minutes. And I'm like, kids, stop drinking. Just don't drink so much water. And he was crying. I'm thirsty. Just give me more water. And it was like, I don't want to give you more water. Just <laughs> stop drinking. So it was crazy. Just like taking a kid to the bathroom in, in airplanes hard by itself. Just taking him ten every 10 minutes. Yeah, six <laughs> times an hour for 11 hours. <laughs> <laughs> So I made him sleep and then he slept for a few hours in between. That was good. And then he woke up crying that I'm thirsty. I need to go and all that. But anyway, so we got to Frankfurt and uh, he was so bad. Like he was crying all the time. Like it was the worst trip of our life. That Mm -hmm. two days in Frankfurt. And then I started, like I called my aunt there and my aunt is a doctor in Iran and she was like, uh, maybe she he just he is just anxious because of the trip. It's, it can be anxiety causing it. Of course, it can be type one diabetes, but it can also be anxiety. So don't worry about it. Come here, we'll figure it out. And then I was like, okay, so it might be type one. And then we started worrying. And then we were really worried. We started Googling and we saw that, oh my God, he can't go to DKA. And we are in Frankfurt. We have no access to anything. We don't know what to do. And it's just like, it was bad. Yeah. So then next day we went to Iran and um, he like the wedding was two days after that. So the, night, the day before the wedding, uh, he got tested and um, his blood sugar was uh, 290, I think. It wasn't that high. And uh, his um, A1C was 9.8. Wow. So to go back to the beginning, he gets sick. 
Um, did they ever diagnose the illness or did they just give him an antibiotic all the way back at the beginning? They didn't diagnose it, but based on his uh, symptoms, I thought it was a scarlet fever. It was very like similar, like his tongue and rash and everything. Mm-hmm. But when I mentioned it to the doctor, he just said, well, maybe we can never be sure if it's a scarlet fever, but well, he has a strep throat, so they gave him antibiotics. I see. Okay. So the diabetes symptoms and the at least the strep throat that you know about pretty much start hand in hand. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, And even though you saw the information about type one early on, that probably just seemed ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like it can't be this. When you are in Frankfurt and you're now looking again and you're pretty sure this is diabetes, Mm. do you remember looking the first time in that moment? Do you think, oh, I looked at this last month? Yeah. 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 I was like, I was sure this is not it. Like, how can it be? And like, I don't know anybody. And then it kept saying it can be genetic. And I'm like, we don't have anybody in our family. It's like, I kept asking my husband, are you sure? Think more. Do you have anybody? <laughs> I was like, no. Well, you know, you do that so, thing. We're in the middle of helping my son figure something out. And, you know, when you first see a symptom, you go to the most, ob- you know, doctors do it as well. What's the most obvious cause of this? Meaning, what do we see most frequently in most people? And then as you start mm-hmm. as you start whittling away the possibilities and it gets less and less likely that you have this thing, it actually is getting more and more likely that you have it because you've said, okay, well, it's not this, it's not this, it's not mm-hmm. this. And as you as you eliminate things, you get closer to the answer. But in your brain, you hear like, you know, uh, 1% of the population has this or 10% of the population has this or, you know, it's very uncommon, less than 200,000 yeah. people a year get it. And you think, well, it can't be me. But it's got to be somebody, right, Shia? (laughs) Yeah. And funny thing is, like, about, I don't know, a year before this diagnosis, I read an art, another article, something a lady wrote in Facebook. Mm -hmm. And she explained all her daughter's symptoms. And she was like, we didn't know um, that we should be worried. Like, this was, she was peeing a lot. She was like, her. Uh, he were, she was acting out and uh, all that. And she was just like warning other parents to watch out for these symptoms. And then it ended up being type 1 diabetes. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so it can happen. And then I didn't even remember that. I did not remember it. And uh, when like after my son's diagnosis and after we came back to Canada, it was I was searching in Facebook type 1 diabetes and I saw I liked a, a post. Mm-hmm. And I read it. I was like, "Yeah, I read this last year, and I didn't even remember about." <laughs> Here it is, right? So, how long ago was this? Now, twenty nineteen. Yeah, November twenty nineteen. Okay, so you're you're a year and three months ish, like right around there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How are things going? Um, not bad. I would say it's uh, we are trying to um like tighten up the range. For mm-hmm. him, but his breakfasts are hard, and the school is really hard because um, they have very strict rules at the school, and um, he's in a, in a provincial plan here. Uh, it's called NSS. So they, under this provincial plan, we sit with a nurse and set out the plan, and uh, we don't have many choices in the in like there are some choices for the parent like do you want to give five grams of carbs here or ten grams, 
but most of the places not like uh, many choices so then this plan is set out then the nurse goes to the school and uh, teach the EAs that are present in the school to follow that plan and they are not allowed to do anything outside of that plan I see so uh, yes they're very strict and then I can I can't really play with things so one like we try to have him eat the same breakfast every morning, give him the same amount of insulin. But then one day he goes up to I don't know three hundred and it stays up there. The next day he drops low. I'm like, it was the exact same thing. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Is he um? Uh, how's he getting his insulin through a pump or through injections? Yeah, he has Omnipump. He has a pump. And do you see maybe differences on different days of the infusion? Like the first day maybe works differently than the second day, than the third day, etc. Mm, I should start tracking that. We just got the pump uh, in November. Okay. So it's been only like two months. But I should have had a good idea. I should track that. It's an uh, inter- it's interesting to look at. Also, different sites, so different places on the body may affect absorption. And when that happens, then you may need, you know, more basal on your leg than you do on your belly, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, that that okay. kind of an idea. Or maybe... Um, you know, at the very end of the infusion or the very beginning of it, it might not work as well as it does in the, you know, many hours in between. Uh, there's stuff like that. He's using a CGM? Yes. Which Dexcom. one? With Dexcom? Okay. Yeah. And so that's interesting because he's eating the same exact thing every day. Uh, are other meals more difficult than? So <clears throat> our dinners are, um, so we, we eat heavy dinners. It's just our, family time mm-hmm. uh, so uh, i cook the main meal for dinner and it's usually high protein high fat probably so he does go high right like around two hours after eating dinner so mm-hmm. we eat at 7 30 ish and then he's he starts go up at 9 30 and i know this i just can't exactly predict how much insulin he needs so i give him like i have an alarm set to give him some insulin at 9 30 every night I do it, but I'm scared to give him too much because don't want to wake him up. And um, some nights it's just not enough. So I will be correcting like till 1230, constantly giving another half unit, another half unit. Yeah, you you some have fallen into you have definitely fallen <laughs> into the uh the trap of uh I don't want to do too much, so I do too little and then I stay awake until my eyes fall out of my head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it's not every night. Some nights I'm great. Yeah, like perfect. He just goes to study till the morning. But but I like I give one unit and I'm like great. Or like I track the food. Like for example, I know uh, if he eats salmon, he needs three units at nine thirty. So I give him three units and it's perfect. But it doesn't always work uh, with all like the same food. And I haven't tracked all the food yet. So all that. Are your are your uh, meals culturally like different than an average Canadian meal or yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. So I, I don't think I've had anyone on to talk about it yet. I should, um, because I've had enough conversations privately, but I know that a lot of Indian families struggle with the, the, the meals that they kind of mm-hmm. traditionally use. Um, and I was wondering if you were in a similar situation, but yeah, it, it we is. probably are very similar to Indian foods. Our foods are. Okay. Yeah. I know the, um, there's usually a lot of rice right mm-hmm. for you yeah and then that becomes interesting and like you said then there's the high protein the high carb. well at least you know about the protein and the fat rise that comes a couple of hours later did you learn that from the podcast 
Um, yes. Oh, yeah. Cool. Well, that's good. I'm excited about that. Um, <laughs> have you considered things like there's ways to manipulate insulin? So if you if you know for certain you're going to see that rise 930 every night, it happens. You could use a heavier basal rate starting at like 830 that maybe runs mm-hmm. for an hour and a half or two hours to try to stay ahead of the rise and keep it from happening. You could try an extended bolus from the meal where you might um, take the amount of insulin that you're using for the meal and then mm-hmm. go look at all those corrections you usually make. Figure out what the the least of those corrections usually is. And then you say something like, um, you know, we're going to, I don't know, I'm just using like pretend numbers, but let's say it's four units for the meal and you're correcting with a unit and a half. So maybe mm-hmm. you say, um, we'll push the button here, we'll pre-bolus four units, and then we'll tell it uh, to put in two, four, like maybe like 70% now, and the last 30%, you can have it drag out over an hour and a half, and you could almost kind of create mm-hmm. that wall with that extended part of the bolus. But you, um, a lot of people make the mistake of trying to... Um, so so stopping a late rise with an extended bolus and extending a bolus for pizza can be different because yeah. because sometimes people use pizza and, as an example because it goes in. It doesn't necessarily hit you very hard right away, but it, then it, it ramps up and gets you later. So you need less up front, more mm-hmm. in the back end, where with this, you need what you need up front, plus you need more on the back end as well. Um, so mm-hmm. there are little ways that maybe... but you'd have to be seeing it every day for certain to, to do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I have to try those. I tried, um, extended bowls for a little bit. I just didn't like it. It was like, I couldn't figure out how much exactly to add. And it just was frustrating for me. Yeah. No, so it's, I it's started hard. doing this other one to track each food and see how much corrections I gave for each one. Right. And then, uh, but I'm still scared. So like, for example, I know uh, we, we eat rice almost every night. So rice with stew. So I say, okay, so he had this much meat. Um, and I know that that amount of meat and rice and stew probably needs 1.5 units um, at 9.30. But mm-hmm. I'm scared to give it because he's sitting at uh, like 80 and he's asleep and I'm like, okay, so he's 80 and I want to give him like 1.5 units. <laughs> so I, I'm scared to do it. So I only do half and then I end up doing another two, like another one unit in the next few hours. Yeah. What about, um? what's his basal rate an hour at that time of night? Uh, it's uh, 0.15. Oh, it's, how much does he weigh? Is he little? He weighs about, um, yeah. Um, He's not little. He's actually a little bit uh, like um, and one second. Let me see. Um, I have his weight. I wasn't okay. sure if you were looking for his weight or trying to find a way to call him chubby without sounding like you were calling him. But I wasn't sure what. I wasn't <laughs> certain what you were trying to do just there. <laughs> so is she trying to be polite or is she looking for a number? Yeah, what does he weigh? He's not, he's not chubby, no. but he's like borderline, I would say, based on, uh, based on internet. It, it said you're, you're, you are a little bit like close to being overweight yeah. or something, but I don't think so. He doesn't look chubby at all. Yeah. So I found his weight. He was 23 kilograms. I have to convert that to pounds. <laughs> I was going to say, I can do that too. One second. 
50 pounds. Okay. So now everybody's basal doesn't follow any strict rules, right? Like, but Mm -hmm. 0.15 for 50 pounds seems low to me. His doctor said that too. He said maybe he is still like honeymooning. That's why it's slow. Ah, Okay. All right. So then that was my next question. Like, is, are you possibly getting help from the pancreas once in a while or not? So, so can I ask what's his A1C? His A1C last was 6.5. 6.5. Does he have, month. does he have a lot of lows like under 70? No, no. So it does sound like then you're probably getting some help somewhere because, um, I would just like, if you made me just guess if, without, you know, ever seeing anything, I'd guess that his basal was closer to, I mean, at least 0.35, somewhere up to 0.5. Oh, wow. Right. So um, that was my other thought is that can you get some of that insulin that you know you're going to need for that 930 rise in a basal rate? Like instead of the basal being 0.15, you know, maybe 8, 830, 10 o'clock in that hour and a half there. Like mm-hmm. what if you made it more like, I don't know, like 0.4 an hour or something like that, and then got that insulin you know you're going to need, but you still were spreading it out a little bit so that if you decide you don't need it, you can just like stop the temp basal rate and mm-hmm. then you you haven't injected a whole bunch and then you don't need it. Right. Does that make Good sense? Yeah. yeah. No, got it. Yeah. Okay. I think you're just looking for ways to manipulate the insulin to do what you want it to do and be where you need it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have yeah, trouble with try, other yeah. foods? Like when you like if you go like do something that's out of the ordinary in food, do you do better with the bolusing? Gvoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Not only is Gvoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. Couple things. Don't forget the T1D exchange, t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. And while I have your attention, I'll remind you that the Diabetes Pro Tips series begins at episode 210 in your podcast player and is also available at diabetesprotip.com and juiceboxpodcast.com. Also at Juicebox Podcast, you'll find the series of How We Eat, Defining Diabetes, After Dark, and more. Check it out, juiceboxpodcast.com. Looking for support from people like yourself? Find the Juicebox Podcast Facebook page. Wow, my lips stuck to each other when I said that, so I'll try again. Find the Juicebox Podcast Facebook page. It's private, has over 14,000 members, and those people are just like you and having conversations about things that you're wondering about or just need some backup on. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. It's a private group. You'll have to answer a couple of questions to prove to the algorithm that you're real, and you'll be right in. All right. T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. DiabetesProTip.com. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. Let's get back to Shaya. Do you have trouble with other foods? 
So what I do is when when there is something new and I haven't tracked or no idea about it, I do exact I do exact math mm-hmm. and I put it in and um um so like I do I do exact math but I do like put it in I do a little bit more insulin and then I just watch him and most of the times it's actually good yeah. And uh, sometimes, like, if I see it just going a little bit downward, I just uh, do a temperate basal of minus, I don't know, 60 or 100 or something, and it's just okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that sounds like the way yeah. I think about it. Um, so, I, I mean, I, what I can tell you is that over time, you get, I mean, better at it in that you've had more experiences with certain meals, and it just, eventually, you'll just you'll just do it. You'll put in the insulin and then you'll like, it's been two hours later. I know it needs more and you're just going to do it. Even though the number makes you feel like they don't, you realize you're just pre bolusing in that second go round. You're really just pre bolusing a rise that you, mm-hmm. that you know is going to come, but isn't showing on any of your data yet. So exactly. yeah, except, except for the data of historic knowledge from it happening over and over and over again. So yeah, you, no, it happens every night. Like, it's just it. Not, I, I haven't had a night that it doesn't happen. So why <laughs> are you scared to do something? I don't know. I'm still, like, I hate that when uh, I have to give him juice when he's asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, he turns, like, he gets so, um, like, he jumps out. And he usually, like, uh, hit my hand. And then the juice drinks all over him. <laughs> it's just like, crazy when I want to give him juice. I hate it. <laughs> did you ever, you, have you ever put the juice, the, wait, I'm, I'm sure this has happened to everybody, but you put the straw in and it creates some sort of a suction and the juice just starts running out of the straw and you can't stop it. Has you ever had that happen? Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's dark yeah. and it's hitting you in the feet and you're like, you gotta yeah. be kidding me. And then, you know, like you get it cleaned up as much as you can. And then I'll like, re, I'll say like, Arden, you know, you have to have a little juice. And I'll reach over. And if a drop of it should touch her anywhere, she's like, oh, you're spilling it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not spilling it. Gravity is spilling it. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, but yeah. no. So I understand your desire not to give him juice, and I don't want you to either. But what I'm saying is, if it's proved it out this many times, you're just you're just ignoring reality. If you're doing that, like you're you're literally letting your fear stop you from stopping something you know is going to happen in favor of something that might happen but that you don't yeah. think will happen. And that was not English, but you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so go for it one night. It's Friday night tonight. Try it. Okay. Yeah. Just go for it. I mean, yeah. what's the worst thing? He drinks a little juice and you don't do as much the next time. Yeah. No, yeah. That, that's true. And I tell myself every night, like last night, one was one of those nights. I'm like, I'm giving him half a new unit. I know he needs more and it's going to, caused me so much trouble. I was up to two last night. I was like, just give him one unit and just be done with it. But um, I have to. I have to. Start are, you, are you self-flagellating? Are you torturing yourself on purpose? Or <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, because, well, you listen. If it makes you feel better, you're at a place that I think everyone finds themselves at at some point. And now maybe. you just have to make the like the more conscious decision to just do it and so you can see what what will happen if you do it that way instead of being afraid you just got to put the fear away a little bit yeah and i just listened to that podcast uh, where you talk about that and i think that was last week i listened to it and i was like yeah 
I can do it. Yeah, <laughs> so you, I, I'm in the process. Yeah, good for you. No, I, I have to tell you, to me, it sounds like you're doing extraordinarily well. And you're just, you know, you're coming up on the speed bumps and climbing over some of them faster than others. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Do you no. feel like you're doing well? I think so. Um, I, I do great with pizza. He loves pizza and we do have pizza night once a week. And I am great at it now. So, um, I get like, I, I, I'm proud of myself for just those small moments of victories. Oh, I know. And uh, we, we got a lot of compliments from his doctor on, on our last visit. It was like, um, you are one of the few patients I have doing this good. You're like, 80 percent in range and like he was happy <laughs> oh, i'm glad no it's, yeah. I, it, it really does sound to me like you're doing well so um i would be thrilled are you kidding me every time i get something right i just like take a half a second in my head to be like yeah i got that <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly uh, but then so. once it starts showing it to me over and over again then you got to just trust that it's going to happen i guess but you'll get that part mm-hmm. so i i guess i want to I, I know we're jumping around but i'd like to know what happened so was he diagnosed in Iran? Yes. So that that is a story for itself. Like, so yeah, we were in Iran, and um, um, so he his blood. So my my aunt is a doctor. I said, and my my her her husband has a lab in Iran. He's also a doctor, and he has a lab. And so he went to his lab, and they gave us the result right away, and. um, my aunt was like, I don't know any endo, like pediatrician endo, endo here in Iran, in like our city. So let me call her on. And she couldn't find anybody. And uh, she just went online, Googled it and found um, a doctor. And she booked an appointment for us right away. So we went to her office and she was like rude. And it was like, you know, like you just got diagnosed. Nobody knows anything around you. Like my aunt didn't know much. She was a gynecologist. And um, she, we got in there and she's like, your son is short and he's too thin. Um, what's, what's happening to him? He did, she didn't even look at the results. And I'm like, can you look at the results, like test results? And she's like, oh my God, your son has type 1 diabetes. I'm like, yes so i think so and she's like so what do you want from me i'm like i don't know like tell us what to do <laughs> yeah, you might be the one to answer bad. that question not me i uh, <laughs> i right now i'm i'm working on the word of a gynecologist so i'm in trouble <laughs> <laughs> exactly so just tell me what to do like, i have no idea and i'm not home and i don't know and right. So she was like, yeah, you have to, um, we usually just uh, admit to the hospital for 10 days. And I'm like, we are only in Iran for 10 days. Like, I don't want to spend my 10 days in the hospital. Can, do you have any other option? And she's like, no, uh, you have to be admitted. I said, okay, I want to go back to Canada. Um, How can I go back? And she said, well, I can give you some insulin. You give it to him like three times a day, one unit, just like that. And um, with like breakfast, dinner, lunch, and dinner, and go back. So I came home crying, and like we were crying. My, uh, my husband and I we just were taking turns. One of us would play with Suren, and the other one cry, and then we switch. <laughs> so we got home to my my aunt's house, and um, my uncle was home, uh, who has the lab. 
and he <clears throat> was like don't even think about going back to Canada it's a 24 hours trip you don't know how he will react to the insulin he might be very sensitive to it so you don't want to risk that just don't even think about it yeah so I mean, like, it was just bad. And then my grandparents were crying, and um, everybody was crying in the room. And it was the wedding night, right? So everybody should be happy, and it's a wedding, and then we are all crying. And uh, so my uh, aunt called her, her best friend, and she, she, her best friend is a head of a pediatrician hospital in Iran. Mm-hmm. So she called her, and she was like, okay, what do we do? And she said, don't bring him here, because we don't have endos full-time at the hospital. Just take him to a general hospital so in iran the hospitals are like general public uh, for people who can't afford to go to private hospitals Mm -hmm. so the 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 children's hospital that uh, we first wanted to go to is a private hospital which is like really good it's like the hospital here and then the the public ones are just like only people who can't afford to go to private will go there and it's not like very good (laughs) so but we didn't have any choices really and they said it's just the best option for you because they have full-time in those there so we got there um they admitted us right away and uh, because my aunt called and everything. So it was good. We got, we got admitted, but they said we don't have any beds. So we had to stay in the ER for two days. And then they kept saying, we can't give him insulin here. He has to be like admitted to the room to give him insulin. I was like, the doctor said you, we would give him. He was still at, at like 300. And they would say, no, we can't do it here. He has to be admitted to the room. Then they will start it. They gave him one, uh, one like one um, IV at the beginning, but that was it. Yeah. So we were like mad, and then we were fighting with them. It was just bad, and you know, like uh, you are not home. You didn't even know. Like he was hungry. You know how they are hungry at the beginning after diagnosis. He right. was constantly hungry, and he kept saying, "I want this specific food. He wanted a chicken kebab, and it's one a.m." <laughs> and where do you get chicken kebab at 1 a.m.? <laughs> so we called my, my mother-in-law and we were like, just find, like, is there a restaurant open? You can buy chicken kebab. And then 1 a.m. they started making him chicken kebab. Oh, that's so, lovely. <laughs> you yeah, found so somebody to make started... it for him. <laughs> Sorry, but I didn't hear what you said. I said it's lovely that, that you got somebody to make it for him. Oh yeah. I have a yeah, question though. Sure. Um, so mm-hmm. you're in, you're living in Canada, but I'm assuming you at some point lived in Iran. Yeah, um, about 15 years ago. I was going to say, how long ago was it? So, do you feel like when you're there, do you feel like a foreigner at this point? I don't feel like a foreigner. I but I still feel like I have a different culture. My yeah. culture right now, it's more Canadian than Iranian, mm-hmm. but I still lived there for 20 years of my life. Okay, so you're not a f- complete fish out of water while you're there. You just have a different perspective. No. Okay, so I was yeah. I was just trying to figure out if you didn't, like, if you had never known or how to, like, traverse the system there, or if it mm. was just the system itself doesn't lend itself well to this problem. I actually looked before you came on, and I went all the way back to as far as I can go in some of my, my data, like back to 2017, and I looked collectively. Mm-hmm. And the podcast is way more popular in Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and 
in that part of the world, like those are the most popular places. It's downloaded in Iran, it's downloaded in Iraq, it's downloaded in Afghanistan, in Pakistan. It's pretty, it's really popular in India, um, mm -hmm. more so than Saudi. But um, I just, I didn't know if it was just like not, is it culturally not common for people to look for help like that? Or is there not even a pathway for them to look? Is English a barrier? Uh, no. Yeah, English. I was going to say okay. English. India, they are good with English. They. I lived in the in India actually for three years. I did my BS bachelor's degree there. Okay. So uh, their English is really good. They are good, but in Iran, most people don't understand. I even introduced your podcast to a few people, and I said uh, if their English is good, uh, like one of them, her daughter uh, is thirteen, I think, and I said. Is how is her English? And her mom said, "Yeah, it's really good. She's going to classes and everything." I said, "Yeah, have her listen to this podcast." Okay. So I've introduced to some people, but usually no. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because the the show is also fairly popular in Japan, but I think that's mm -hmm. mostly expats. I think that's mostly you know transplanted Americans living there. So oh, okay. you, you know, it's just it's it's interesting to to see where it. It just makes so much sense that it's basically around Eng where English is easily understood. But yeah. I'm glad it I'm glad it found you and that it helped and um and that it's maybe helping. But I think that that's just sounds extra frightening because because you really did get I mean even once you got to the endocrinologist there the the here take some insulin and jump back on the plane I count as bad advice. I, I yeah I, yeah I agree <laughs> with the advice that you got to not do that. Um, but I wonder what would have happened if you put him in the hospital for, ten, well, what did you end up doing? Did you, I mean, you're in the hospital now. How long was he there? Yeah, we were there for like five days. Okay. So I kept pushing. I was like, I know, like I've learned everything. Just let us go. And they were like, there was this one doctor. He was actually a resident and he was, he hated me from the beginning. So <laughs> like he would but like do these classes for us and I would type whatever he was saying in my phone and like you know like in Iran they don't do that they have paper and pen everybody mm -hmm. but I don't I have my phone and I type everything in there and he was like are you even listening to what I'm saying do you even care and you're on the on your phone all the time I'm like I'm just typing what you are saying in my phone. <laughs> he please hated stop. me. Yeah. So <laughs> he was pushing back. I was like, please release us. Like, I know everything. I've learned carp hunting. I learned everything. Yeah. And just let us go. I was like, no, I still have to quiz you on a few things. And he would ask me questions like, what happens if like he goes low? And I don't know what happened. <laughs> and then the main doctor, the endo main endo, he was really nice. And he was like, yeah, you're ready to go. Yeah, you can go. So we stayed like four or five days at the end. Okay. Well, you got out there a little. Did you miss the wedding? So <laughs> it was the night, the, the second night at the hospital. So I uh, begged my son. I was like, I came all this way to go my to get my cousin's wedding. Can I go? Oh, and by the way, so the hospital, it's women only, women and children. So my husband couldn't go up to our room at all during those five days. And I was like, uh, I'm just going out of my mind. I've been up 24-7 with him for the past few days. And um, so I asked them if they can temporarily allow my husband to come up. And they said no. So my sister-in-law, who was also supposed to go to the wedding, but, well, she was further. So, mm -hmm. And she came 
there and my son like she he didn't even know her like she is her aunt but they never met before like other than that trip right so she he was like no I don't want to stay with her and then I, she brought her a gift a game and they started playing and then I was like can I go and then he said okay go so I ran from the hospital to the wedding I got there late and then I my mom had my dress with her and my daughter was there with my mom and uh, i just put on my dress like i didn't even do makeup or my hair or anything mm. <laughs> and then at, in the dressing room of the salon there um our family they just like so many of them came in together and they just had heard about suren and then everybody just burst out crying and then i'm like i i'm standing there laughing and like stop crying it's a wedding just leave it just let's think about it tomorrow just don't cry well everyone's <laughs> already so emotional probably from the wedding and then you get this news and just it's easy to start crying i exactly i have to ask you men aren't allowed in the hospital was that specific to that hospital i think it's the all the children's hospital or something they only allow children and women like the moms can go with the children mm. uh it was a children's hospital gotcha. and the moms can go with the children because then um, the moms because you know it's a muslim country and the moms uh, need to like have her job so for the moms to be comfortable and not needing to wear her job around men they i think that's why they put that rule but it's awful it's just like awful like how do you expect a mom to be up with the kid 24 7 and uh, like some of those kids they were like crying all day all night and the moms were up. like you could it was just they were all exhausted yeah just allow the dad to come in for a second well it's probably a rule that men jumped up to get some time off when their kids are sick don't you think <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll say the women have to go in the hospital and that way i could sit at home um <laughs> are, are there male doctors yeah there are male doctors, but they only come in at certain times so you know when they are coming and, and you can they shout out there like doctors are coming and everybody knows that men are coming in gotcha and then and then everybody puts a job on yeah if well they don't remove them nobody removes the hijab oh, I see. like I didn't wear my hijab. I nobody cared really. But the people who care, they don't remove them. It's just that they are more comfortable. I think. I see. Okay. No, I just I, and, uh, I didn't want to cruise over it without getting an explanation because I didn't understand completely. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a totally different culture. Like, like even when I went to pay for the hospital, the 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 cashier there, he was like, um, "It's the, so the currency there is like really high." So he's like, "It's three million." Uh, reals you have to pay i'm like yeah i know like do you want to go your call your husband i'm like no <laughs> just take it from my card he's like does he need to sign I'm like no just take it from my card i can pay <laughs> back in canada i buy bagels all by myself just so you <laughs> 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 well, that's yeah so so oh wow don't you need your husband to sign oh it's it's like 1950s america except <laughs> still worse than that um yeah oh we won't talk to her we'll we'll wait till the decision maker shows up exactly yeah. and it's not like that everywhere but afterwards i thought as i said it's just a public hospital mm -hmm. and usually people who go there are like that like yeah. they are in poor families who only the husband is the breadwinner and not even like good um money and it's like that usually and yep. uh yeah, yeah. so 
it's the culture of the hospital, I would say, not Iran. It's not like that. <laughs> I see. I That's why didn't... I was shocked, too, because I was like, even in Iran, I didn't expect that. I'm like, why do you want my husband? Like, what's going to happen? Like, yeah. so many women work in Iran. So many women pay for everything. It's not like that. Well, those people would be yeah. amazed if they were in this house because I don't get to decide anything. So <laughs> they would, they'd be thrown. Hey, how many is three million? How does it convert to American money? What did you pay for the hospital uh, stay? I think it came to one thousand dollars. No, for five days. That's very reasonable. Yeah. For- yeah, five days. We didn't have any insurance, nothing. So all everything together came to one thousand with the labs and everything. Gotcha. Because we came back and we claimed it here. Um, I think that was well. <clears throat> well, even that's yeah. lucky that it worked out that way, and it wasn't some massive amount of money that you couldn't come up with. Y- you know, that would yeah. have been even crazier. I don't even know what they would have do then. For sure, that yeah. was another reason. Like I was worried about Germany. I was like. Uh, if something happens here, I don't even know like where do we get the money. It's probably so much, yeah. but in Iran, it's not. It's not that much. And yeah. neither of you are. You're you're a Canadian citizen, right? We are all Canadian citizens. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like it's not like even somebody. Oh wow! Well, that's terrible. I'm sorry. How was the <laughs> How was the trip home? Did you have enough understanding that the plane ride home was r- reasonable? Yes, the plane home was reasonable. It was just I. So on our way to Iran, I lost my phone in Frankfurt Airport, hmm. and um, uh, when I called them and they said, "Okay, I come grab it. It's at whatever station." And then when I went there, um, my daughter was sleeping on my husband's shoulders. So I said, "Okay, so you sit here with her, and I take Suren with me to go grab my phone." Not, I didn't know that we have to exit the transit area to do that. And I grabbed Suren without anything. So we didn't have Dexcom, of course. So I didn't take his um, meter, like blood glucose meter. I didn't take any snacks for her. I didn't take my credit card. I took, took nothing with me, just my phone. Yeah. And that's, I, th- I think, the, like in, I wasn't experienced enough. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like you are diagnosed, like, I don't know, 10 days ago. And I wasn't experienced enough in a situation to grab that bag or something for him to like have everything in it. And then we had to walk for three hours with him. Like Suren and I, we just couldn't find my husband oh when my we gosh. grabbed my phone. We couldn't find him. And we went to so many different places. We could not find him. And then he started crying, saying, I'm hungry. So I'm like, okay, his blood sugar is probably low. I can't even test it. Right. And um, I, we have been walking for three hours, and then I don't even have my credit card to buy him anything. <laughs> so I went to this uh, food um, um, shop thingy, and the guy there was from Iran. And he said, I was like, okay, so my son is very hungry, and I need to buy him something, and I will try to pay by my phone. Uh, because I have like my credit card on my Apple iPhone. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I can't pay with, with this. And it wasn't working. So the guy was really nice. He said, don't worry about it. Just take it. Have, let him have it. Have it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, so like, we were lucky. Yeah. But it was awful. And then finally, we found each other after three hours of walking. But otherwise, other than that 
the fact that, as I said, like I feel like I wasn't experienced enough to say whatever, wherever you want to go, even if it's five minutes, just grab that bag with, bag with you to have a snacks, to have the matter, to have what he needs. Yeah, it, it um, becomes so second nature eventually. I just, this morning, I was up here getting ready to talk to you and Arden uh, came in. She's like, hey, my Dexcom uh, needs to be replaced. And she's like, would you give me a hand with it? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I get up to walk downstairs and my phone's just sitting on the desk. And even though now I realize her, her Dexcom's not working at the moment, right? It needs to be replaced. Mm-hmm. I still felt uncomfortable walking away from my phone as I walked away from mm-hmm. it. And I looked back at it and I thought, I don't need that. She's not wearing a CGM at the moment. I don't need my phone. But as I walked away from it, it felt very, very unnatural to leave it behind. And exactly. yeah, but in the beginning, you're right. In the beginning, you have to physically remind yourself, take these things with me when I leave. Like, like, because it's just not, you know, it feels like you're tied down, but that feeling goes away. But in the beginning, you're like, oh, I have to have this stuff with us. And it feels like a burden, but it just becomes very natural. And you don't yeah, think anything yeah, of it, but that yeah. makes, that makes sense. Why did it take so long to find him? Just because you didn't know the, the area? No, because they sat where we uh, came out of the plane, right? When we came out and they said, you are not allowed to go back there. So the doors were one way out from there. And I couldn't go back in and he couldn't come out because he had three hand, like hand luggages mm-hmm. and then a sleeping baby uh, with him. So you had so, to like literally find a way back to where he was. Exactly. Oh and they they said like the doors are one way out and then anywhere I went, like they have like multiple, it's a very big airport. So I, I, I went to a gate to go back in and they would say, oh, this gate wouldn't end up where you want to go. And then I kept tracking with find my iPhone. I kept tracking my husband's location and try to walk toward that dot. But then at one point I had to turn and then it started getting further away. <laughs> it was crazy. And then I find this guy and I'm like, just help me, please help yeah. me find my husband. And then he's like, okay. And then he walked with me for so long. And he was like, I think I do have to go from this gate. And then I got into that gate and they were like, no, you can't go from here because your ticket says gate A and this is gate B. I'm like, but my husband is at the end of gate B. And they're like, no, you can't go in. Oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, you know what? All that, that, that experience, obviously you didn't know enough about diabetes to be very worried about it. But if right now you got separated from all of Seren's gear for three hours, would you be panicking? Like now that you understand the diabetes better, do you think you would have had a different like reaction? I would be panicking more than what I was then. I would think so. I, you know, I'm thinking about just now Arden's change. I was like, all right, so we tested, um, did the CGM change, gave her some insulin for the number we had. And I was like, in an hour, test again, because Mm -hmm. I want to make sure we're still going in the right direction here and not getting too low or too high. And uh, yeah, I just wonder, I guess you just have to do what you did, though. Go off of your feeling, you know, kind of treat hunger maybe as lower blood sugar because it's you're completely blind, right? So you have to make some sort of a decision. I think you did a really good job with it, honestly. I, I just had no idea, you know, like, at the beginning, they just tell you test every two hours and um, give this amount of insulin with food. Mm-hmm. And okay, I'm doing that. So, and I didn't expect to be walking for three hours. I didn't even take insulin with me, right? right so right, yeah. I'm like, uh, okay, just, 
like uh, I guess he's okay. And then his doctor in Iran told me like there was this once that I was like, do I need to stay awake with him all night to make sure he doesn't drop low? And then she said, no, don't worry about it. He, if he drops low at night, he will be so uncomfortable and tossing and turning and crying and stuff that you will know. But I don't trust that right <laughs> now. I know I shouldn't trust that right now. Yeah, that's not a so, very technical uh, answer. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You'll so hear the like, seizure coming, Shia. Don't worry. <laughs> great, great, thanks. Know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so back then I wasn't worried. I was like, yeah, if he drops low, I would probably know, right? So the doctor said so. Right. So I wasn't worried. But now I, oh, I can't even imagine being three hours without his. Yeah bag that's interesting but i mean and somewhere in there there is also a lesson that he was okay so you know what i mean like there's a middle ground you have to find between vigilance worry and common sense but you need time with diabetes to figure out the common sense part of it mm-hmm. yeah so exactly. yeah it's interesting and probably when like they are older it would be easier for them to know their body and all that you probably uh, know that like uh, a younger kid compared to a, an older kid would be easier to manage. You you could at least ask them more pointed questions, you would think, and mm-hmm. try to come to a better answer. So, um, yeah. is there anything that I haven't brought up that you meant to talk about? I'm I, wanna, I don't want to miss anything. <clears throat> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's just uh, so one thing that I I don't know if like uh, I wanted to I, I was thinking I was still thinking about this to bring this up or not mm-hmm. but um I know like so many people in US uh struggle with paying for insulin and that's uh, that's big but like in Canada it's uh, very a lot cheaper with the provincial health plans um but then in Iran it's uh, crazy like I haven't I met a lot of people in the hospital uh, when I was there there was, I think, five more kids, uh, same age as students, just got diagnosed. We were like going to classes together and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, we at, we made a group chat, and I've been in contact with them. And uh, I think it's, it's probably many countries go through this, uh, but um, insulin just is so expensive there for them, and. Then the government announced a few months ago that they they want to stop importing insulin, and they just make um, insulin in inside Iran. But it's the very old insulin called Regular, I think. What's it called? I'm sorry. Uh, regular. Re- oh, they're gonna go- take you back to regular and MPH. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. A so in Iran, okay. so they are making that. So and they are forcing people to just use that instead of nowhere rapid lentils and everything. Yeah. So it was big, like uh, just uh, got a lot of media attention and people. I don't know what happened to it. It's more quiet now, but uh, I think it's because of the how 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 much it costs. It's it's expensive, mm-hmm. and um, they just decided to let's do like create it inside Iran, but they only have access to the technology to create that. Okay. So, I'm trying to read uh, online. Yeah. It looks like it looks like in October it says US sanctions cause acute insulin shortage in Iran. Uh millions of Iranians at risk for US sanctions. Oh, I see. There's no insulin. Oh, okay. This is a trade yeah. this is a trade problem. And and the way that the country's trying to 
cover it is by making older insulin probably because it's easier to produce, I would think. Yeah. And you don't need, yeah, I would guess that's the idea. We'd have to and look. they won't be any access to pens, so they'll have to inject with needles. And like these kids, it's just. Yeah. And they have no access to pumps or Dexcom, nothing. Dexcom right. is not uh, even available. Like it's, they can bring, some Some people can buy them, buy Dexcom from Turkey or other countries, but it's super expensive. It's like one uh, one Dexcom costs one month's salary oh, for them. Geez. And uh, the, like I, I know someone, she said, I'm selling my house put the money in bank and uh, with the monthly interest, I can pay for my son's Dexcom. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So like they are struggling. Yeah. They, it's no pump. Like I have one person who was able to finally find pump for her daughter, but then um, with the sanctions and everything, they stopped having it. So they went back to injections. I wonder if the new administration in America is going to, impact this at all i wonder if it'll change because of that or not i'm not certain i mean i don't know i can't learn enough just looking at it right now to find out mm -hmm. but that's terrible and she it sold is. she sold her home yeah yeah my yeah gosh. so we're lucky <laughs> i feel very lucky and uh thankful to have access to all the technology and everything mm -hmm. and it's different it's uh hugely different. a different life yeah i mean you, they're 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 genuinely talking about going back and using insulin that probably hasn't been regularly used in America for, I mean, 30 years, maybe. I, mean, I don't mm -hmm. even know a long time ago. And, and you can't count carbs with that. Then now you're just giving yourself those like inject some in the morning, inject some in the evening, you know, that kind yeah. of a, 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 a plan, which is not much of a plan, especially given that the, uh, that the the meal choices are going to be pretty, um, you know, hard on the insulin too. I would think. Yeah, that's how yeah exactly. Is. Well, I'm glad you brought it up. I'll see what I can learn about it before I put this up, and I'll put links up with it if I can find something that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So, how did you find the podcast? Like your podcast in general? You yeah, mean? yeah, not not podcasts in general, but mine specifically. Yeah. Well, I don't listen to any other podcasts. I didn't even consider. Oh, would you say this is the only podcast you listen to? Yeah. Ah, perfect. That's what I want to hear. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. You, you, uh, I think you, you hear this probably so much. I love you. I love your podcast. I love what you do. I hope, uh, I know, I hope all the best for you for doing this. And, um, you know, I don't know, like you, you probably don't want to uh, uh, have this on the podcast, but I was listening to one of your episodes and you were saying, like it was at the beginning, you were saying, I don't want to run any advertisements or anything because I just love to do this. And I'm like, why? I love what you do. You should run advertisements to pay for this. Oh, was it uh, like a recent one where I was like, I'm just putting this episode up. I'm not putting any ads on it, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, sometimes, exactly. sometimes I just have so much content. I want to get it out. And, mm -hmm. and I, you know, I've, um, satisfied the advertisers for the week and I just, well, like, well, I just, I still want to put this episode up, so I'll just put it out without ads on it. And then, no, okay. yeah, it's just, but listen, I appreciate that. I really do. Mm -hmm. I don't have any trouble leaving it in the episode. I, um, I want to 
I mean, I want to put out a good podcast and it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And because of Mm -hmm. that, you know, I did start out not taking ads. I wrote a blog for a very long time where I turned ads down constantly. Um, Mm -hmm. But this is a, this is a podcasting is a time suck that is different than just writing online once in a while. And uh, if I didn't, I literally, if I didn't take advertisers on the podcast, the the podcast wouldn't exist because my wife, because my wife would be like, go get a job. So (laughs) (laughs) it would happen very, it would happen very quickly. She'd be like, uh, what are you just (laughs) sitting around making a podcast? I don't think so, buddy. Get moving. (laughs) So, but I, I love that it helps, but where did, how did you find it? I mean, if you don't listen to podcasts, how do you find a podcast? Uh, so what I like when I was still in Iran, I posted about Husserl's diagnosis in my uh, baby, like mom, mom, mommy's group for like birth Facebook group. I don't know what it's called, mm-hmm. but anyways, a Facebook group for uh, April, 2015 babies, basically. And, um, I posted there about, um, um, diagnosis and I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just so scared. I'm, I don't know what's happening. And someone introduced me to someone else whose kid was diagnosed like a few years ago. And then that someone else introduced me to a Canadian group of uh, parents of type 1 diabetes. And then that's where I found about Juice Box. Wow. Podcast. That is a yeah. marketing scam I could not plan on <laughs> purpose. That's for sure. So you're, in, so you're in a Facebook group just for kids born in your like day, month and year. You yes. Met, then you meet a person in there who moves you on to another place, and that's where you. Wow, that is a that is not a straight line to finding something. That's for certain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I found like the lady was really nice. She was like a few years ago, my daughter was diagnosed, but she was I think in U.S. maybe, mm-hmm. and she said there is a group for Canadian parents. So just join that. It would be really helpful. So I joined that, and then I was asking so many questions. I was like, how do I control this and that? And then someone wrote a comment saying yeah just like join like listen to this podcast it's amazing and that's how i started we'll see i'll tell you what you you, somebody suggested the podcast to you it sounds like to me because you were asking pointed probably thoughtful questions Mm -hmm. and and they were like you know if you're looking if you're trying to look that deeply into this this is probably the place for you to be asking those questions yeah Uh, that's yeah that's excellent i'm so happy i don't know who did that but that's really lovely um, yeah, there is a lot of parents in in our Canadian group that listen and suggest. Like I've seen so many comments like that. It just goes around. Like everybody suggests. I I've done it to so many people. Just go listen to a podcast. Well, thank you. <laughs> I very I very much appreciate that. Yeah, Canada. The, the show's pretty huge in Canada. I mean, it's obviously yeah. the it's obviously the biggest in America. But after that, Canada, Australia, and the United Kingdom are sort of the next larger download places. Mm-hmm. So. And you would expect that with the English language news yeah. and all that. So, so maybe I, I have to stop worrying about how to get the podcast to be bigger and just teach people to speak English. That might be the quicker. <laughs> yeah. I was going to I was going to suggest the other. I was going to say maybe you have to translate your part, like have someone I, translate. You, I don't know. I have to that tell is- you, I have thought that through six <laughs> different ways and it just never works because if I don't know the the language that we're translating it into, then I can't kind of quality check the translation yeah. and then I'm stuck. And I, I would never want somebody to say something that ended up not being correct. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's where I, I sort of get stuck on that. Cause I've definitely thought about that for especially Spanish speaking people. I mean, that mm-hmm. seems like a big population that's underserved. And, um, 
I have talked about it. Listen, the truth is, if a if a if an advertiser, you know, I'm not even saying one of them that I have now, but if there's an advertiser that would be willing to foot the bill for it, what I've learned is it's just very expensive because you have to hire professionals to mm-hmm. basically listen to episodes and then translate them out, and it's, yeah. it's not cheap. So it's not something I can afford for certain. Mm-hmm. You know. And you have you have great voice, so I don't know how you find someone <laughs> to have great voice like you <laughs> to match up. I appreciate that. I um <laughs> I I you know it's funny when I talk uh, privately to people and they're like, you know, how do I make a podcast? I'm like, well, the first thing to know is that most podcasts fail, so you know you can definitely try it. I said, but there are some intangibles that you just can't you, you can't manufacture, and I'm and I I mm-hmm. do say sometimes like I have a nice deep voice. And that's helpful. Yeah. You know, it's helpful to listen to. Um, I find it in my own life when I start talking, people just sort of like get mesmerized a little bit. And I just think it's because <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's what I'm saying. I just think my voice is deeper. So, you know, yeah, yeah get a little little heads up there for me, a little little extra boost. But I really appreciate you coming on and telling me that whole story. It's fascinating. And uh, I, I appreciate it. Again, uh, people won't know this, but. Uh, you let me move your time at the last minute. I was having trouble yesterday. No you were very kind, so thank you. No, no problem. I was happy, and thank you for having me and talking to me and great points and suggestions you made for helping to manage that nighttime rises. So I'll try those. Will you send me a note and let me know? Yeah, I yeah. do for sure. Excellent. I would love to know how it goes, and I'll actually thank if you, you if you get back to me in the next couple of months, I will uh, I'll put a little addendum on the back of this and let people know what you said. Okay. Thank yeah, you so much. Sure. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Yep. You too. Thanks. Take care. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G V O K E G L U C A G O N. Dot com forward slash juice box. I also want to thank my guest today and thank you for listening, supporting the show, sharing it with others and all the other great things that you do. I'll be back soon with another episode of the juice box podcast. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>